submitted for your consideration. Man has always challenged nature, thinking that they contain the elements. But what happens when nature changes the rules and fights back? This is the Nature vs. Man 2 for one literary licensed podcast episode exploring science fiction and horror and weighing the outcomes of a dying planet with your co-hosts Keith Chalco, John Wilson, Vicki Ray, and Jesse Fultz. Man will forever be changed. Hello, welcome to your license podcast, and it's our end of the season with Nature versus Man, and we're covering Godzilla from 1954 and Godzilla from 2014. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us, and we have special guest co-host Steve Derek Miller. Hello, Chad. How are you? Hello, everyone. Feels like it's been an eternity, <laughs> or has it? Has it? <laughs> I feel like I just finished talking to you a little while ago. Perhaps there's a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> There's always a glitch in the matrix. <laughs> uh, and we have Joe Redazzo, who's doing his last guest co-host before he enters the vortex of the Literary License Podcast and starts joining us regularly for our next season fives, the 80s. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm doing great. And um, I, I, I told you guys uh, th- this uh, in a private message, but when I heard the intro for next season and I heard my name mentioned, I was really touched by that. Thank you very much. That's it's uh, really we cool. love you. Thank you. And I, I love being here. Otherwise, I wouldn't keep doing it every single month. <laughs> you always got something cool to say. Like I said, I always learn something new from you guys every time you all are on together. So. You're like Fraser on Cheers. Started guest co-hosting in front of your beginning of further. It won't be long until <laughs> you spun off into yeah. your own podcast. <laughs> yeah. Love his own series. Cheers to that. Thank you again. I'm honored. No, we're honored to have you. Yeah. And of course, I have Vicki Ray with us. Hello, Vicki. Yep. Hello. And as I always like to say, I always get to do this with all these handsome men every month. <laughs> and of course, myself, Keishago. And before we get started, let's find out what each of us has been up to. Starting with you, Chad. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? About <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's see. I've, I've been uh, I've been named the head writer of a small startup company called Your Stories on Video where we take, uh, let's say, your grandfather, your grandmother, or perhaps a, a terminal friend or a terminal relative, and we go, we interview them, we turn all of this information into a documentary film for the purpose of passing it down to future generations. So, uh, that's, that's man, it's such a really neat gig. You can find out more about it at yourstoriesonvideo.com. Go there, check it out. Uh, other than that, I've been working on my own stuff, works in progress, Splatter Western, Starving Zoe's doing really well, and I'm about to start uh, making my first documentary film. So busy, busy times in the city of Dallas, Texas. Very hot times, too. It's a sauna. (laughs) I wish I had some of that sauna here in London because it's freaking horrible here. Rain, rain, go away. Come back another day. It's been raining all week. It has finally stopped. Uh, It's been raining. Um, This is our summer. That African heat wave never freaking came. The African heat wave. <laughs> you had one there one year when I was there about three years ago. You people do not have AC. Oh, no, my no. God. It's, it was brutal. Well, they've been threatening this African heat wave for the last eight weeks, and it hasn't come, so I don't know where it's gone. But We're supposed England, to get so. that Saharan dust storm here in Dallas. I don't think it came yet. Has it come yet, Chad? Uh, you know, if 
I can't tell. I look out the window and all I see is smog anyway. Okay, that's what I was wondering. (laughs) I can usually see the haze from where I am over the highway when I'm driving in that way. So, haven't seen any dust, though. And what about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Um, uh, Close to finishing my uh, uh, third and fourth screenplays um, since uh, since the lockdown. really close to them. And I've been submitting the first two. Uh, there, uh, there were a couple of, stu- um, a couple of uh, producers that I submitted them to who were uh, looking for content. I'm waiting to hear back from them. And I started Excellent. sending them out to screenplay competitions in the hopes that, um, that, that they don't all go virtual again. And I can actually travel and get out and go uh, have some semblance of a life back. Like I used to have Wouldn't that be just hippie cool at this point. Yeah. Especially I- in Chicago, yeah. I was just looking at my uh, my Facebook because uh, you know it gives you the memories. On this day, when I lived in LA, I had lunch with the with the director of Night of the Demons, and I went to a movie premiere and met Lynn Lowry, and like we became friends. So I was like, I led such a more interesting life than I do now. <laughs> I'm just kind of shutting doors, like writing all the time, going, yeah. I just hope I get an excuse to go to LA or New York soon. You never know. Hey, I'm hoping. Uh, I mean, I'm with you. I'm I'm antisocial and I really hate people. But now I'm I'm at that point now. I feel like I need to be around them for some reason. So obviously, it's been a long time. So I understand. Where <laughs> so. And what about yourself, Vix? What are you been up to? Well, like we were all talking about prior earlier today. Um, not much. Um, just like I was saying, we watched Pacific Rim and Asher loves Pacific Rim, but then we put on Atlantic Rim and I was telling everybody and they explained to me why Atlantic Rim was such a ripoff and it was a ripoff. They didn't even try to make it look like Pacific Rim. I don't think they had maybe the fun. Maybe they just need to change the, jo- change the title to Atlantic Rim Job, maybe? Rim Job, yeah. <laughs> I'd pay that. Rim I'd job. pay for that one. Did you, yeah. did you watch I wasn't going to go there, but you did. So, okay. Did you watch just the movie itself or did you watch the mystery science theater episode on Netflix about it? I didn't see that one. We watched that itself, but I can watch the mystery science theater episode. It's, it's fun. The, 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 the mystery science theater episode is fun. It, I love mystery science theater. It is a lot of fun. They really just beat the piss out of movies though. They just do that. <laughs> it's, it's great to watch. And I was talking about that movie choose. I don't, like I said, I can't remember it's shutter or, uh, or, uh, Amazon Prime, but it's about that that uh, girl that the killer gives her a choice which parent you know can live and which can die. So <laughs> it's really worth it. Like I was, we were pr- talking last week. It was like the boy behind the the door. That was a riveting movie. I really enjoyed watching it. And like I said, it takes a lot for me not to you know hit pause and run to pee, but I couldn't even do that because I wanted to find out what happened with this one. It was just excellent. And uh, we were talking about The Walking Dead and seeing who was going to hang in there or not hang in there. Anybody hanging in there besides Kill them all. Kill them all. Kill them all. all. There you go. Yeah, (laughs) that'll work. Kill them all. Fade to black. Dead since season one. So, huh? I haven't watched an episode of The Walking Dead since uh, the first season. Well, I hate to be. I hate to be the king of spoilers. You can't (laughs) go back. I hate I hate to be the king of spoilers, but some of them are still walking and the others are all dead. So that's the title. Yes, that's the title. I I just wish they hadn't killed off everybody like they did. Everybody knows about that. Kind of ruined it for me. um, Oh, Walking Dead. So I stopped watching after season two. Once they were on that farm, it's like 
It's like after about nine episodes of that freaking farm, it's like I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> well, the, it's not uh, that bad. I feel I like I was like having spinoffs. Spinoffs. Yeah. I just can't donate my time to. I, I, I feel like I was having this discussion not too long ago with someone. I don't remember who it was, but uh, we we were talking about the characters on that show who uh, who just they have the best character arcs. Like most of those characters do not have a character Carol. arc. They are yeah, Carol, Carol, Gabriel, and. Since Negan. the very last episode of season 10, Negan. Those everybody are the was waiting for that episode, too, because everybody wanted to know what made Negan Negan. Now you know. Now I know. And uh, I may or may not sympathize with him. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of twisted. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of miss the asshole Negan. I don't know if I like the warm, fuzzy, woke Negan. <laughs> I look... Jeffrey Dean Morgan is is a uh, rather attractive man for someone that's rather? his age, and I, and I can rather? I can only hope that you know in ten more years I'll, I'll still be able to look something similar to that. I love I love always loved Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I loved him at Supernatural and just loved him ever since. I watch any movie he's in because he's just I love I love him. I just can't say anything wrong. What's the going unholy? On with you, Keith? Well, um, I've been watching the new Slasher um, season, um, Slasher, which has David Cronenberg starring in it. Um, season four, I believe it is. Um, Slasher's moved to Shudder. Before that, the first three seasons are on Netflix. But I um, highly that. recommend it. Um, it is, it's a more exciting, it's probably what American Horror Story probably should be aiming for um, because the stories are very tight. Now you only do right. six, six or seven episodes. So therefore the story stays very, very tight. Wasn't yeah, there just a season friend. of American Horror Story? I think I missed a season. There's American Horror Stories, which is a bunch of shorts. Um, right. I have to sit there and say, I have yet to see one that I wasn't impressed with. Um, right. But I would suggest watching it yourself. I just like their versions of like short stories, like each story, each episode is a different story. And right. um, they haven't, let's put it this way. They're aiming for Twilight Zone and they're probably right. getting like gallery at the most, you know what I mean? I haven't, so I not, haven't they're seen not hitting the heights that they could do. But um, I would say, you know, watch them. They're, they're, the acting then is not bad. Um, there's unfortunately, there's a lot of um, Ryan Murphy politics <laughs> going on in a lot of them, which kind of, Throws it off a little bit for me, right? You know, a lot of misdirection and misinformation when it comes to history, but it, it's interesting, right? And then, other than that, um, Bat for Blood, um, Turtle Rock Studios asked me to thank any of our listeners who were part of the open beta um, last weekend. Thank you very much. Um, open beta was open, and two point seven, no, two, no, two point nine million people played the open beta and gave that's back excellent. The and they want to thank everyone on Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, and computer, and um, and the computer platforms. So they want to thank everyone for that. And they will be giving us in October. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter at www.llpodcast.com. And we'll be giving some games away in October. All you have to do is answer the simple question, and which we'll, I'll figure out in September when the newsletter happens. So, so and besides that, that's it. Please so tell me the question be- is going to be, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Because <laughs> I know the answer to that question. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, actually, I've got a foot mat that says that, you know, <laughs> I use it. It's right there by my, my sink. <laughs> I love my Monty Python memorabilia. <laughs>
Well, this brings us to Godzilla, which is a 1954 Japanese kahoof film directed by Ishiro Honda with special effects by Aisha Chisubaraya. And I'm sure I'm massacring your name, people. You are massacring them. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, give me a language and I will massacre it for you. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what's great about being an You're American. Pretty good with yeah, the Spanish. Massacre everything we come across. And that's you can go of, through with the Spanish, but I don't know. I think you're never going to be a Japanese interpreter. But go ahead. No. <laughs> it was produced and distributed by Toho Studios in the first film in the Godzilla franchise in the Shura era. The film stars Akira Takum- Takarada, Momoko. Kokoshi, Akairo Hirata, and Takazuka Samira, and Harua Nakajama, and Tasumi Takzuka as Godzilla. In the film, Japan's authorities deal with the sudden appearance of a giant monster who attacks trigger fears of nuclear holocaust during post-war Japan. Godzilla entered production after Japanese-Indonesian co-production collapsed. Tetsuya um, originally op- opted for a giant octopus before the filmmaker decided on a dinosaur-inspired creature. Godzilla pioneered a form of special effects called suitmation, in which a stunt performer wearing a suit interacts with miniature sets. Principal photography lasted 51 days. The special effects photography lasted 71 days. It was um, released um, theatrically in Japan on November 3rd, 1954 and grossed 183 million yen, which is total $1.6 million, during its original theatrical run. In 1956, a heavily re-edited Americanized version titled Godzilla, King of the Monsters, was released in the United States. The film was spawned a multimedia franchise, being recognized by Guinness World Records as the longest-running film franchise in history. The character of Godzilla has since become an international pop culture icon. So... What we'll do is cut to the trailer and be right back with Godzilla 光は扱いけます。ますます怒るばかりです。百万年前に生息した開く大怪獣ゴジラ。水爆実験は常に背景用に眠る大怪獣の怒りを感じた。放射能を発し、爆裂の開口を吐きながらゴジラは本業へ
the the bad guy of the atomic age. I guess that's how they were trying to. What's the word I want to use? Uh, artistically license him in as the you know the atomic yeah, he, age. He's some, somewhere, and I, I I haven't seen all the Godzilla movies, so I I don't know. At some point, he becomes like the hero and the savior. And I don't know when that transition was made. I, think I don't know that if it happened with Ghidra. I think yeah. the old Ghidra, maybe. Possibly. Or Rodan. Because, there, I mean, there's so many of them where he's kind of trying to help Tokyo as opposed to, you know, tear it apart. But yeah, they I, don't, don't, I don't remember when. That, I, I think it was when he had to fight another monster to for the good of whatever. And then he just goes back off to where. Well, I think it's when I think basically Godzilla changes from villain to hero when basically a bigger threat appears. That's a bigger threat to Godzilla. So Godzilla is killing the bigger threat, which makes him a hero to the people of Japan sort of thing. Or maybe that's when we westernized Godzilla. Um, well, I mean, I think, I think you find that in most anything of whether, you know, you'll have any kind of movie series to start out with a villain and then something happens and that villain has to come back and help fight for good. And that villain becomes like an anti-hero, doesn't he? You know, you see it in um, comic books a lot and stuff like right. that. Yeah. Normal, normal trope. Well, it's, so it starts out bad, becomes good when it has to fight in more evil. Well, world. culturally, we're, we're seeing it with Harley Quinn now. Yeah. Harley yeah. Quinn is now kind of a heroine as opposed to a villain. But even in this movie, I never really got the sense that Godzilla was a villain. It was more that, like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> like, like if well, you they like, woke like if him you, up, didn't they? I yeah, mean, that's the thing. If you leave me alone, I'm not going. Like when he rises up out of the water and they start opening fire on him, like, well, now they just pissed him off. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of it kind of reminds me. Of kind of reminds me of King Kong. King Kong is fine, you know, on Skull Island, but then when they bring him to New York, and to be honest, the reason why people are dying is not because he's trying to kill them. It's just that he's too big for the people around him, sort of thing. So he's not like he's not like you know yeah, he's not actively he's, trying to harm them precisely he's just right. walking from point a and point b and people are just in his way unfortunately unlike the green gargantua who just chews people out and spits out their clothes but well another thing we don't know about godzilla i mean to be honest i mean how tall is he i mean he could be short sighted I mean, you know he might not be able to see people on the ground you know well they, you know like, they said he was 150 feet in 1954 and then the raymond burr version said he was 400 feet and did you guys notice that that the picture of the slide it was supposed to be the photograph of Godzilla looking over the hill. <laughs> I really paid attention to that this time. I mean, you know, I mean, Godzilla is basically, you know, it's it's a classic case of basically taking the fear of science and then turning it into a creature to so that way man has something to fight because man can't really fight science, an idea of science, but they no. can fight a you know a characterization of this. I mean, what's quite interesting in March of first, 1954, um, a few months after this, um, before this film was made, there was a fishing ship um, called the or Lucky Dragon Number no. 5. And it, w- it was showered radioactive fallout from the U.S. military 15 megabomb Castle Bravo. And, um, and uh, you know, which was a bomb test at nearby um, Bikini Atoll, um, Atoll. And basically, because the film was contaminated and all the fish and everything on it were was contained with radio, radioactive sickness, there was this fear of all the fish in around Japan being radioactive and that people right. stopped eating fish for a long time until it was cleared. And then if you think about like 10 years from when this film was made and, you know, from the attack yeah. that the Americans did, I mean, I've been to Japan and I've seen 
you know, I've seen where the bomb hits. And when you go through there and you go through Hiroshima, what you see is shadows of people on the pavement. They're just, yeah, they turn them that's what, that's in the middle of, they're just shadows. You can see human form and shadows. It's like, it's like, it's kind of weird that they're gone. The bodies are not there. They just turn into a shadow, which is kind of a weird thing to think about. I mean, I do find it very interesting that by 1960s Japan that they started admiring American culture. That's when the American culture and admiration for American culture came in, which for me is a bit soon if I was me. I mean, yeah. if like something bombed here, I'm not sure if it, I think it would take me longer than 20 years is to admire their culture sort of thing. So you, Just a you smidge, know. yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there will be, you know, that you know, nuclear, and I guess another thing that we have, this is quite interesting to have a human perspective on a nuclear holocaust by a culture and by people who live through an actual holocaust, a, a nuclear holocaust. Right. You know. Yeah, I wonder how, how great was that discovery, you know? I think, oh, that's probably, I think that's probably what I like about Japanese films, though, because they do take things that happen relatively close you know as far as time frames go and then and they do reflect on it and they do come up you know when we cover battle royale you'll notice that as far as right. like the, the teen culture that's becoming unruly especially in there and ringu is another one where um that's another thing that was going on in japan culture at that time and i think you know we can take nightmare on elm street which basically is based on japanese culture as well because it was it was happening in japanese that kids were being scared to death while they sleep which created freddy krueger for west craven so, um, so the Japanese culture thing is quite an interesting way of looking at things. And I, I think I quite admire the way that the, when they do films and horror and this aspect, how it's closely related to the culture and the way that they bring, you know, quite topical issues within, the, within it into a very kind of fantastic art form. And I think Godzilla is quite artistic in that because you do have the monster story, but you do have these inter, as you're saying, these interpersonal interlocking stories about people surviving a holoc, you know, a nuclear Holocaust at the same time yeah. that's going on within this. Though I admit that people should watch the subtitle. Do not watch the dub version. The dub version no. is probably the most hideous thing. If the dub version sounds like those people who have a fear of their voice and they have a YouTube channel, so they get the computer voice doing the voice for them, it sounds a bit like that. <laughs> no emotion, nothing at all. This is like, you know, when, um, I, when I was researching this, the '54 movie, um, you know that the the iconic roar we all come to know and love. It, I didn't know this. I knew it was funky, but I didn't know it was this. They were rubbing a pine tar coated leather glove over a double bass string. <laughs> Did not know that. Foley artists are amazing. But his look and his sound has kind of evolved through the years, especially with the Matthew Broderick version, but I'm not going to talk about that one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's let's don't. Oh, God. (laughs) That movie. Oh, my God. I I rewatched that one the other night just for context of how bad you can. Like Godzilla is hiding somewhere in New York City. Fucking where? He's in a building. No way. He's in Madison Square Garden. That's where he is. Yeah, all his eggs are in Madison Let me tell you. you know, eggs. I mean, was this Godzilla? I mean, is he one of these species that basically just like repopulate within themselves? Yeah. He's that, an asect. No, wait. What, what do you call it? It's not a herm, but uh, 
Oh, her spontaneously can can mate with themselves or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> to, to bring on to re- recreate his own species. And you're thinking like, and he's doing it now. Why didn't he just do it for years and years and years? My my only memory of of the Matthew Broderick Godzilla is as I was I was is 1998 when it was released. I was stationed in Fort Gordon, Georgia. I was in the army. I was about about to graduate uh, tech school and get on with my life, whatever that life might be. But I remember the soundtrack most of all. Uh, the movie was bad. It was so bad. But I remember the soundtrack most of all. And I remember some clueless soldier watching the music video that was, it was Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or whatever he was being Diddy. called was that week. It was Jamaica yes. Fly, wasn't it? Uh, there, was, there was that. And there was also, there was also. Going underground or something. There was something. Sean, uh, Sean Combs. P. Diddy, oh. Puff Daddy, whatever, with yeah. Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Where he How sampled he Cashmere. How yes, have he, I not seen this? He can, he sampled it. was a music video. And it, they sampled Cash was it Cashmere? It was Cashmere. Yeah. Was it Cashmere? They, the, 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 uh, yeah, they sampled Cashmere. Puff Daddy sampled Cashmere for a song on that soundtrack. And I remember the music video coming on and this this poor, ignorant soldier. Just going, what's that old man doing up there uh, stealing Puff Daddy's song? Oh, oh, snap. And I turned. How old was this kid? (laughs) Probably at the time we're talking 1998. So so she she was at least in her early 20s, which means she was born at the tail end of the 70s and had no damn excuse because Led Zeppelin was a thing at the tail end of the 70s. And I just remember Zeppelin four was out. I mean, come on. I just remember daggers coming out of my eyes and (laughs) fuck you. Godzilla (laughs) forever making these poor people think this just, Oh, luckily it was, it was all, uh, it was it was all brought back to me. Well, Godzilla I, I, 2000 was okay. I kind of liked it. Shin Godzilla is where there's, you need to go, but that's problem. another show. But see, there's I think I think that, I think the 1990s was a really bad time when they were like <laughs> rebooting things. Because what was the other horrible reboot in the 90s? Lost Planet in Space. Psycho. Psycho. Was the Apes. One. Yes, Planet of the Apes. Lost in Space. Uh, <laughs> basically, if it wasn't the X Files in the 90s, it was crap. <laughs> There is a scene in the fucking Matthew Broderick Godzilla where the fucking Air Force is chasing Godzilla around New York City. They turn a corner. He's not there. He pops up from behind another building. (laughs) How? (laughs) (laughs) How do you lose a 100-plus-foot monster? And when does when does God when did Godzilla learn to play peekaboo? I mean, they follow him around the We lost him. He's a hundred and fifty feet. How the fuck did you lose him? Then they're feeding I, him all those fish in Central Park. I I couldn't. I, I just laughed my ass off watching that the other night. Just just constantly turned to my roommate, going, "How how how is this possible?" Hank Azaria was one of the main characters in that film. I oh, mean, look. how? A lot of Simpsons actors were in that. Actually. Yes. <laughs> must have, they must have been in their point. summer break. Sort of thing. <laughs> must have. But they had us all hyped. They had us hyped. They did. From the, from the trailer. Well, they I had was all excited. My kids were young and they wanted to see Godzilla. And here we are, I take him to Godzilla and he doesn't even roar maybe once. He doesn't breathe fire. 
You know, I mean, we're talking about Matthew Broderick. I don't know. We're just bashing it. I knew that was going to happen when I brought it up, but it had to be done. Uh, We are are talking about the people who did bring us um, Independence Day and stuff like that, where it's like, it's more spectacle than story sort of thing. So, I mean, what's quite interesting about the 1954 Godzilla is that basically in 1953, a film was released in America called The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Yeah. In 1952, um, King Kong took over the box office again on its reissue. And then to how Godzilla is, because of those two films coming at that time, brought Godzilla, gave birth to Godzilla with the, the director and the writer using that as the template. Which I think that's quite cool, actually. Two classic, you know, films to be able... I mean, 20,000 20, Fathoms is a bit questionable nowadays, but if, when you do go back and review it, it's got a lot of good merits. So. Oh, God, I, yeah. I just and read you know, that you know this that- week. The, I, I had no that? idea that I had no idea that that uh, I just read that this week that the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms inspired Godzilla, and I had no idea. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I could see where it would. Yeah. I, I think I remember reading that they originally wanted Godzilla to be some sort of squid monster before yeah, they octopus, settled on yeah, yeah the, before they settled on the the dinosaur descendant. Probably a good idea because then I think Godzilla ended up looking like more like the crawling eye that came around. <laughs> Do you know that there was an action sequence in the '64 Godzilla versus Mothra, and the Godzilla suit actually caught on fire, and that's the scene that made the cut. So now I'm going to have to go watch that again <laughs> just to see that. Well, it's always quite good when you get, when Godzilla does a Michael Jackson. So it's always quite yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you get these, like, you know how you always say you got a movie that does a nod to this movie or nod to that movie. People got really upset at the Lost World of Jurassic Park when they did a nod of the Japanese people running away from the Dom- the Dominic's Rex or whatever it was in Dominic's Rex. I, I did notice that. I go look at this. I go, that looks like Godzilla. All these Japanese people are running and screaming and doing this. People weren't happy about that, apparently. Yeah, you know, it was, it was uh, the what late nineties. Racial stereotypes weren't invented yet, were they? I mean, I don't think so. Yeah. Not at the time, but I mean, another thing is, is like, you know, you know, there's a difference in making fun of a racial stereotype and giving a nod to a classic film, a movie, it? yeah. You know, I mean, let's say, let's say we wouldn't have Jurassic Park. I don't think we would have Jurassic Park. I think Godzilla. Without Godzilla, no. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, Godzilla gives birth to, like, the, the interest of dinosaurs. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, being a kid. I was trying Godzilla. to think. I was trying to think which one came first. I, I had to jump in my Wayback Machine there for a second. But The Lost World was, what, 96, 97, perhaps, 97. Well, and I was then talking about the Jurassic the, Park Lost World. Yeah, and then, yes, and then, well, yeah, the Jurassic Park Lost World, and then the Godzilla remake was 98. 98, So, yeah. and it also looked like the the last, uh, I guess the last maybe half hour of the Godzilla remake from 1998 stole heavily from the Lost World. So they kind of almost fed off each other in a way. And we're in that 1998 infancy of CGI as well. So oh, like, yes, yes. CGI yeah, the CGI well. does not hold up. <laughs> Watching it two days ago, it does not hold up. Remember the Japanese baseball star? They used to call him Godzilla. He helped uh, New York Yankees bring home the their 27th championship in 09. Well, the interesting thing about Godzilla, I mean, if you look at the franchise itself, okay, you had like all the Japanese ones and Godzilla's different monsters. 
But even in the eighties, we had Godzilla cartoons and stuff like that, which are really heavily. I loved those things. I loved the Godzilla cartoons. And then we had baby. Go- then we had baby Godzilla for a little while. So yeah, um, I think he had a child, which they always do in every cartoon franchise, aka Scrappy Doo. Anyone, but um, so you always get like a child version of it. But but it's quite you know if you think of something that you know, and then um, I think Joe was talking about the um. Isn't one um Shanta's cha- children love Godzilla as well? Now. Yeah, her two-year-old. We went into Target a few weeks ago, and uh, we were gonna buy like little paints for her to like play around with, and she spotted this Godzilla doll, went right for it, and she just turned two back in April. Um, so it's it is enduring. Well, who, a- what kid doesn't like dinosaurs, dragons, or reptiles? Right. You know, I mean. That's why old, that's why young kids love old people. So, <laughs> it's not the smell. <laughs> no, it's, it's the reptilian look at them. <laughs> Have you seen a child what it looks like when it first is born? I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I remember looking at our child and it's like, I'm going, oh, my God, is he going to stay like that? <laughs> you know, they definitely they, they uncrunch, you know, as hours go by. Just the, the, got the, the big head phase is the cutest phase where, where like their head is like too big for the rest of their body. That's just <laughs> yeah. God, Godzilla though, uh, just going back and, and watching the original and, and for the longest time, I thought the Raymond Burr was the original. Same here. Uh, this was an epiphany for me. I didn't we used have to, any clue. We used to borrow it on VHS from my hometown library when I was, when I was a kid and I would watch it over and over, but it wasn't until, you know, later in, in my adult life, you know, then the internet comes to be and you have vast oceans of knowledge and nothing but time at 3am when you're stoned to look up all this stuff. And you, you realize that no, the, the Americanized Godzilla with Raymond Burr is not the original and you go back and you watch it and you realize how political it was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess in the last like four or five you years. I just got to wonder if Raymond Burr was damage control. Probably. Probably. Either mm-hmm. that or, you know, we mm-hmm. have to sugarcoat everything in this country. And you right. also got to remember that at that time, Japanese culture in America, I mean, we just got them out of the concentration camp in America. The Japanese people. True. They weren't out. They weren't out too long before. They weren't that. too nice to the Italians during the Second World but, War but, too. But, I, can I think. An, I think another thing: the original Godzilla from 1954, the Japanese version. You're um, you're going to have to put an American spin on it because I mean, yeah. I don't think. To be honest, we knew that the bomb hit. We knew that, but as far as the American people that time goes, we were not really quite sure exactly what the after effects were. Right. We were told bits and pieces, but we didn't really know the facts until like late sixties, early seventies. They made that movie. They found made out made exactly documentary. What the devastation meant when we dropped that bomb. They made that documentary called <laughs> "The Maids of Hiroshima." Oh my god! Yeah, it but what, what year was so that? That bad. was the late sixties. Up until that time, I mean, we kind of got this Americanized version of what happened. Which is kind of a, a Disney fied version of what happened. Right. Right. Well, I've I've heard so, people complain about Shin Godzilla, you know, right. that was just released like four, five, maybe six years ago. I don't I don't recall. But it's so political and it spends so much time dealing with politics and government and damage control and things like that. And people are like, this is incredibly boring. Not, you know, they're they're like, this is not this is not even anything like the original. No, it is board- like the original. 
Did you guys think that the 54 Godzilla was a little more heart tugging just a little bit than when they put Raymond Burr into it? I had no knowledge of this existence of this 54 until I started watching it. And I thought it was more, I was like, wow, this is like, they're really, they're just, they're telling a story here. And when you put Raymond Burr in there, that gets lost in the translation. Well, another thing you can remember the Japanese version, the 1954 Japanese original cut version of this is that the writers went and and had conversations and interviews with people who survived. Right. I read that. And so they they basically fed this into the thingy. Now, if you look at the Raymond Burr version, if you notice that all those personal stories have been kind of wiped away. Yes. They're all gone. Or they've been not And that again... The American, the American, you know, the Americanization of taking something that America did and glossing over that. To, and they like the monster aspect, but they didn't like the personal stories because that's a bit too, too much history for America to take at that time. Of course, right. you know, when, because, when time passes, it's different. You know, we, you know, it's different. But everything Americanized has to be about a hero. I mean, the movie is called yeah. Godzilla. It's not called Raymond Burr. The movie is about Godzilla. Then <laughs> America gets a hold of it. It's about Raymond Burr. The movie yeah. is is about Raymond Burr. You look at what Michael Bay did with Transformers. It's not about the Transformers. It's about Shia LaBeouf. Look what he did with the Teenage Mutant Ninja. I'm not here to shit on Michael Bay, though, by the way. But look what he, it just happens to be the victim right now look what he did with the teenage mutant ninja turtles it's not about the turtles it's about megan fox just we well, look at megan fox okay you could capitalize on megan fox i'm sorry yeah i could that totally capitalize on megan fox yeah but the thing but the thing is is like you have to also remember at this time period as well i mean whether let's take the vietnam war it took 20 years before america got a realized version or a realistic version of what the vietnam war really was even so though back then though we had walter cronkite was basically with platoon that basically really punched it home and we had other films like coming home and things like that yeah it but walter, we it. saw the Public vietnam now war probably touched on it more know. than anything else but basically it took to, to platoon basically to really punch the message home sort of yeah thing. well there was a one before then with uh michael j fox that punched it in too i think what's that was that was called the war thin... the Puma. Was it thin, thin red line or something like that? Or am I, I don't think- know. All I know is that it did not make well. Everybody, I, I, I love our veterans, but let's face it, we had bad people in the war too. It doesn't matter. There are bad people on all sides. But I mean, that kind of, I think a lot of people just didn't like to think of our soldiers in that capacity. Well, uh, what I'm saying, I mean, I guess, the, I guess the main, you know, theory basically is, is that sometimes when something bad happens or it doesn't, look good on a political grand scale or something like that sometimes is that you don't get a true story until time has passed sort of right thing. and i do think that with godzilla coming out in 1954 it was a bit too too much realism for the american market at that time right i mean but- now of course you know but it's like that with anything and what i have to say what joe was saying is that you know here we have a japanese film dealing with a horrific thing that happened Less than a decade later, here we do. We, you know, they're actually attacking that issue, which you have to admire, basically. Yeah, yeah. But they're, but they're, but. And I have to say, another thing you have to admire is, is that they're not blaming anyone either. No, they did. An interesting thing. So I, I think, thought that was fascinating, actually, considering you know the, the the amount of decimation they endured, and and but the thing is with the fifty four, and I mean, like I said, if there's anybody who's ever listening about these Godzilla, I didn't know about nineteen fifty four Godzilla without Raymond Burr, and it really does tell a story. 
that I mean, irregardless of the monster and and everything else, I that that is taken out of translation when you get Raymond Burr because those stories are not there anymore. Like yeah. I didn't, I knew I was watching a different version when I heard the lady saying I got out of Hiroshima just in time. I don't want to go through that again. Thing kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's entirely intentional. That was the intention is to completely right. whitewash that because you don't want people in the audience in 1954 going, oh shit, that's what we did. Yeah, we did that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the powers I mean, that be did that. We don't always agree with the that's, powers. That's that be. that's true. I, I I say we collectively as a, as a nation, right. it was our it was our leadership. But I mean, you know, it's just like it's too bad none of us can make those decisions. You know, the people, somebody else does it for us. And we got to live with the outcome. But uh, I just thought it was interesting. I think as a a human race, though, normally, no matter, even if you take your own personal lives anyway, not sit there and say that whatever drama or trauma that you've had in your life, it does take you a few years to process that anyway until you come to terms with it. And then you can can discuss it openly. And then we're we're, I'm just amazed that they didn't blame the United States. They didn't say one bad word. No, there was nothing derogatory in that whole film. Well, to be um, controversial, they did bomb us first. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, yeah, there was Pearl Harbor, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. Oh, go ahead. What are you saying, Chad? Oh, it's, it's, it's yeah, I, what Vicky just said, it just got me to thinking, you know, we, we did this, this horrible thing, you know, granted, okay, Pearl Harbor happened. Okay, but we did this totally horrible thing. We're the only country in the history of mankind to use a nuclear weapon or an atomic weapon against our enemies. And then for future generations to come, whatever president we had behind the scenes was totally using the bomb as as a threat to get whatever they wanted. Yes, leverage. Uh, we're We're the only country in the history of mankind to ever use this horrible technology. But you said that the Japanese, not once in that movie, blamed america or talked trash on america whereas you think about every movie that came out in the 80s or 90s where every other country was some kind of bad guy to us whether it be the russians or the germans mostly the russians but the russians the germans the japanese i mean the koreans uh red (laughs) dawn yes mexico for god's sakes and Red, Red Dawn. Dawn. I, I liked Red Dawn, though. I know it was really, you know, politically whatever, but I'm not a PC kind of person. I like well, it. I mean, when it, com- when it comes to American films and anything like that, they always, and even with American politics, they, they always, America's not happy unless it has some kind of enemy to fight against because it keeps the American pride strong sort of thing. And and then when we have the years where there is no, let's sit there and remember when America and Russia were getting on and every and we kind of lost everything was like, oh no, well, let's look for the Middle East. And then we realized, oh, okay, well, that we can't solve that problem. So now let's go back to Russia now. So now Russia now the big point. So it's not like you know, it's basically about how they're taking over our social media and forcing us to vote different ways, which whether you, whether you're out there believing that or not, that's up to you. I'm it's almost like we're living in the worst, longest film ever. <laughs> so, you know the thing is, it's about bringing, some, years, so yes. bringing something down to bring something up, isn't it? So you right, bring people down to bring these people up, and you know that's just you know, and every everybody does it, but it's, you know, but unfortunately, because America films and America media basically goes all across the world. I don't know. I think independent film, from American perspective, but we do get it in England, and you do get it over in Europe, and they're, they, you know, they have their little 
you know, I think independent film is kicking butt now, though. I think that Hollywood has really taken it. I don't think other than a few films squeaking out, you can only do so many reboots. You got to have some original ideas. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's that's I mean, remakes and reboots have been around forever, but it's just lately a lot. You can't get get anything done unless it's a unless it's a property that already existed. There was something that uh, both Keith and Chad brought up, and that's the the politics of uh, of of these movies and horror movies have always been the best. It's staying uh, out of it. The best ve- well, actually, the best vehicle for tackling horror, I think, because not only do you have Godzilla, uh, the Wolfman, uh, in 1941, yeah. you have Kurt Siodmak saying that uh, everything that he, he talked about with the Wolfman was uh, based on his experiences um, getting out of Germany uh, right before World War II. And then when you I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, he said he based the idea of this really nice, wonderful man like Larry Talbot, who, you know, d- during the day is really nice and, and, and charming and, and all nice. this stuff. And then he becomes this hideous monster. He's like, it was based on, you know, my neighbors in Germany who for so many decades were, were nice to me. And then wait a minute, you're a Jew now. Oh, all of a sudden, yeah, became... I did not know that. How interesting. So, um, yeah, invasion, of the, invasion of the Body Snatchers is another one. That was the, invasion the, the, of the Body Snatchers. Scare of America. That's what Invasion and, of the Body Snatchers is. When you um, get to, when you get to George Romero and Wes Craven and all those guys, Wes Craven said that a, a lot of the imagery in his early 70s films were based on images he saw coming out of Vietnam. Uh, George Romero uh, was the same way. So horror has always been political. As well. It's always been political and it's the best way to get the ideas out there because you can kind of mask it uh, in, in a way that like is easy for, for, uh, for people to consume. And you don't maybe, re, uh, you know, a lot of times like the, these are geared towards younger audiences, so they don't see it right away. But then as they get older, they start to realize, wait a minute, they were, they were making a point with that. So well, look at your look at your horror films in the late eighties, early nineties, and they basically were dealing with the AIDS crisis. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even like I, I watched, uh, I watched, I rewatched They Live a couple of weeks ago, and just just comparing it to modern society and social media and and everything, I did not n- even imagine that that shit would come r- true. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm like, like John Carpenter was onto something. He's probably yeah. on something and onto something at the same time. Well, Carpenter we was actually that. covering in December a film called Shock Treatment, which is the sequel to Rocky Horror. Yes. And basically, I mean, when you watch that, when, seen... it came out, when it came out in 82, didn't do anything. When you watch it today, you realize it is basically a study on Kardashians and reality television and how it's taken over and how everyone's in, glued to that. It is reality too, that shows wasn't a thing. It's a thing now. So you know, it's, it's kind of funny when you do watch these films and you think, "Oh, you know, it's horror, or whatever, like this." And then you watch them later and you reflect on it. It's like, "Oh my god, this stuff actually means it." This stuff all means something. Like they live, as you're saying, it's basically it's hard. To, you know, even when you look at Godzilla, the scare. I mean, that, the Godzilla nuclear scare. I mean, if you look at Godzilla from 1954, we had that nuclear scare all the way up through until about 1990s, as we saw with Nature versus Man with the day after and testing. And, you know, when basically, you know, songs by Genesis, you know, you know, the land of confusion, where basically, you know, any present album, actually, everyone's finger was on that red button. You just never know who is going to push it from one moment to the next. Unfortunately, we did have Reagan, who was suffering from Parkinson at the time, so we're quite lucky; he never got pushed. But 
you know, when you when you look at that nuclear scare, the dogs lives in its infancy as far as the nuclear scare goes. But that nuclear scare, you know, pretty much covered us for the next 40 years. Yeah, it's not right. it doesn't seem to be much of a scare now. Now we seem to be scared more of, you know, minorities within our own culture is what we're made to be scared of at the moment for whatever reasons or something else. But but at that time, it was nu- that nuclear was the one that held us all together in our fear. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we had films like um, When the Wind Blows, an English um, about this old couple, basically, is an animated feature. And basically, it's about this old couple, a nuclear bomb hits, and about these old people living in their little cottage as they're getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and they eventually die from the fallout. You know, I was I was saying at one time, I really hate to take the political route on everything that I say, but, you know, you can't help it nowadays, really. You know, I was thinking about how divided the United States is right now within itself and, you know, with the racism and politics and everything. And when the government was releasing these UFO reports, I was like, God, you know, wouldn't that be just great if we could go ahead and get first contact out of the way and maybe bring society back together again? But no, no, didn't quite um, happen like we wanted it. No, knowing the way humans are, we'll be because our egos will take over so much. We'll go, oh look, we're better than these people, and these people will be looking at us like we're their lunch <laughs> 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 to serve man. <laughs> it's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. <laughs> I haven't say I haven't. Um, I have one thing that I was quite impressed with um, Godzilla's 1954 is the music, the soundtrack. I said yeah. that was really effective for that time. I haven't heard music that excited me so much since Planet of the Apes original soundtrack by Jerry. They Gold. did change it for Raymond Burr, though, which I thought was a little more mesmerizing, actually, than the 54 version. I don't know. It was so, more sad, I guess. I liked, I liked the disconnect with the music and how it was kind of like, like experimental kind of a odd kind of sounds and stuff yeah. like that. And I, I thought I that they did like an that. excellent job on that film. I, I, I don't care what a lot of people or a lot of kids they are into the CGI and everything. But if you're like somebody who's a student of film and, and things like that, and you like the horror genre, you, that's just gotta watch it. I, I did. Like I said, I was so shocked. Like I was texting Keith. I go, am I watching the right movie? I go, Raymond Burr isn't on this. <laughs> and I had, like I said, I didn't know. You know, and I thought it was really kind of, you know, it, it was it was fresh for me to see it without Raymond Burr. Now, I can guarantee you that most people won't know. Most people don't know that there was a Japanese Godzilla without Raymond Burr. Right. Like, I've yeah. never heard it come up in casual conversation until we started, you know, discussing about doing this podcast. And I started right. to research it myself. I'm like, oh, my God, are you are you, seriously? And it was I so know worth a, the watch. I know a lot of people who claim to be diehard Godzilla fans, and not a single one of them has ever told me about this original no, version. Same here. Yeah, my uh, my my roommate's uh, father uh, heard, heard that I was going to be doing a podcast on Godzilla, and he and he mentioned Raymond Burr. And I was like, actually, we're doing the version that was that that was edited from. And he was here yesterday, and uh, he he had mentioned he's like, I had no idea that it existed, so I, I took my Criterion. Uh, of Godzilla, and I handed it to him. I was like, "Go watch it." <laughs> you know, both versions are on there. If you don't it's like so it, you can go back it, and revisit though. the Raymond Burr version because it does <laughs> give you insight into that time period and when this movie was made and why it was made. And and I mean, it really it's 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 almost like a like what's the word I want to use when you're trying to forewarn, um, like a lesson. 
but like, you know, for, I, like foreboding. I say, though, what's quite interesting as well with the 1954 version is that... Cautionary tale. Well, if you compare it to the Raymond Burr one, it's like when you watch the Raymond Burr version of it, it's very schlocky. It's very, you know, yeah. very kind of schlocky and it's kind of fun. You kind of, but when you see the original, because of all the human interest stories and the rare and all the really good acting and all the story, real good act stories, it kind of bypasses any of the special effects to make it. It's a bit like what when we were watching them, sort of thing. Because, because it yeah, doesn't it's explain strong, how strong script. Well, and even though you have the strong script kind of takes over from the the giant absence of effects. Because you well, so you got Emiko, the on. first probably Japanese female film star, probably at that point. And she's got this whole relationship going on with this other guy. And she doesn't want to marry Sarazawa because they were, uh, was it a, a arranged marriage back mm-hmm. then? And I didn't know about any of that really that much. And it's the, and I was like watching it and I go, wow, she been, I, I, you know, there was a whole backstory to their relationship that I didn't. It, but when you see Raymond Burr, you see he's been um, inter, you know, seen and he was spliced in on a lot. And you can tell after watching that. And you, you know that, I mean, if you've got an eye for film, like after watching it so much, especially you guys, that you knew something was missing in the Raymond Burr film all the time. And then this pops up and explains so much, you know, that this is yeah. what was missing. We also yeah, go ahead, Keith. Sorry. The interesting thing about the 1954 Japanese original version of Godzilla that basically wasn't available in North America in theaters or anywhere um, outside of America until 2004. I read that. I just read that a couple hours back. I I, that was wild. That's quite interesting. That basically, you know, here we are. You know, we've had seven samurais, and you could find, you know, we you know, 2004 we had Ringu, and we had a bunch of Japanese films. That basically we weren't, we didn't have access to this original version in the 2004, which is kind of odd. Yeah. But then again, we don't know what the co- the American copyright, I mean, it, might, it might have something more to do with that than anything. Well, I mean, that. we get a whole bunch of films from the, the, you know, that from over there, like, what was that one? Not Iron Man, or was that one of the, the because of the T, crazy. Oh, the Iron Man. Huh? Tetsuo, the Iron Man. That's yeah, I couldn't you know? remember the first one. I mean, that was just one of those. I, I still say WTF every time that comes on. I mean, <laughs> just like, what did I watch? I still haven't figured out what I watched, except that he turns into metal. And he's got, you know, one of those metal penis things going on. So just that's hard to forget. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, people around our age and maybe a little older than us who grew up like I, I grew up in New York City, and there would be like on Thanksgiving they'd show like two or three Godzilla movies on like WOR. It was a big deal. I it always was. associated Godzilla with like these cheesy movies, and then when you watch the 1954 one, it's totally completely different it's from totally. any other Godzilla movie ever. I, I that's what I'm saying. It was comp- it kind of blows the Raymond Burr one out of the water, literally. Definitely. I mean, I probably, I mean, but because this had the backstory, this had the stories of people's lives in it. I mean, there was more to it than the monster coming and breathing and killing Tokyo and knocking the power lines down. There was a whole backstory to that. And I just, I was just so interested in it. I could, that's why I'm sitting there. Where's Raymond Burr? I'm sitting there watching it. Why is it Raymond Burr on here? That's what I, I got confused because like I I, I never knew that. Walking around on legs because I always remind, yeah, well, you know, I only think of him in a wheelchair. I don't know why. 
Ironside. What's that, Perry Mason? No, it was Ironside. I, Ironside. Ironside. <laughs> <laughs> So now that brings us to Godzilla, the 2014, which is an American monster film directed by Gareth Edwards. is a reboot of Toho's Godzilla franchise. It's the 30th film in the Godzilla franchise and the first film in the legendary MonsterVerse and the second Godzilla film to be completely produced by a Hollywood studio. Um, we've already discussed 1998, so we won't go there. But this film stars Aaron Taylor Johnson, Ted Ken Wadabe, Elizabeth Olsen, Juliette Binoche, Sally Hawkins, David Strathern, and Brian Cranston. In the film, a soldier attempts to return to his family while caught in the crossfire of an ancient rivalry between Godzilla and two parasitic monsters known as Mutos. The project began as an IMAX short film in 2004 and was transferred to Legendary in 2009 to be redeveloped as a feature film. The film was officially announced in March 2010 and Ezra was announced as the director in January 2011. Prince of Photography began in March 2013 in the United States and Canada and ended in July 2013. Godzilla was tragically released on May 16, 2014 to generally positive reviews from critics with praise for the direction, visual effects, music, cinematography, respect to the source material, and Cranston's performance, but the characters in Godzilla's screen time were criticized. The box office successfully grossed $529 million worldwide against a production budget of $160 million print and advertisement cost of $100 million. And it would break even point at $380 million. The film, of course, has been... Um, rebooted for of their own and legendary proceeds with sequels with Godzilla King of the Monsters released in May 2019 and Godzilla vs. Kong released in March 24th, 2021. So what we'll do is cut to the trailer I guess Godzilla 2014. We'll be right back. I want to talk to somebody in charge. You are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. And it is gonna send us back to the Stone Age. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, there's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. You have no idea what's coming.
the other way around. Welcome back to Laser License Podcast. We're discussing Godzilla from 2014. And starting with you, Chad, what are your thoughts of the 2014 Godzilla film? You know, this was one that I was I was pretty excited about. You know, I, I, I think we, we've talked a lot about the 1998 Godzilla and how much of a disappointment it was to me. I had really high hopes for this one in, in 2016. It was one of those weekends where, where I was uh, still doing a lot of traveling. I was stuck in Philadelphia with nothing to do. And uh, it was uh, so. Let's make it a double feature day. Let's let's go Godzilla. And I think at the time it was X Men Days of Futures Past. Let's let's make it a a double feature day. So I I went and I saw Godzilla. And I think um, I, I decided to sit through it a second time because I I had nothing to do and I wanted to time uh, how long Godzilla was actually on screen in this film. <laughs> so uh i i think all in all it 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 ends up being i don't remember the exact number i know it ends up being less than 20 minutes that he is he is on screen through throughout this this film and it it to me was another one of those uh americanized uh remakes or americanized film where where they make it more about the the really not so interesting human characters uh they they brian cranston went out so soon, I think he would have been a more interesting character than uh, the soldier, the guy, the guy from Kick-Ass. Uh, his name escapes me. Um, but Elizabeth Olsen, I could sit and watch her frown all day long. Yeah, <laughs> but she does it a lot. <laughs> I, I could sit and watch her frown all day long. Uh, the scenes that Godzilla was in, uh, it was again, he had he had been taken back to the uh he's he's the actual hero from a certain point of view where he's defending uh from the other monsters uh those those 15 or so minutes absolutely loved the rest of that film i i could have done without and i can say the same about the two sequels that have come after oh i love the last for myself as far as godzilla the 2014 is that um I do like the simple fact that, you know, when it comes to bring the giving a nod to the source material, and I think that they gave it a bit of respect there, and I do appreciate the respect that they were giving it. I do agree that maybe the Godzilla time was less sort of thing, and I do agree with that. But I do like the idea that they were giving it some respect, though. I mean, I think this is the first time in America. I mean, 1998, Godzilla had no respect. Godzilla has a bit more respect than we had in the the 1998 right so i'll give it that and i have to sit there and say that and i also like the simple fact that basically to fit into our nature versus man that basically we have a monster that starts off everything that basically brings everything and basically this is because of man man screwed up and we got this monster that Godzilla has to fight and i quite like i quite like that part of the film i you know i you know but i kind of wondering is is that 
you know, to do, I wonder if to do a really good um, Godzilla film nowadays, can you deal with a Godzilla film that basically is almost a silent movie dealing with Godzilla roaring all the way through it? And so it's almost like we need to make up the time with a lot of human dialogue, which is what we do get in this sort of thing. Well, it's, and it's this, I guess it's kind of the same as, uh, again, perhaps a, another film for another episode, but Shin Godzilla where you're you're getting the same thing but you're getting the japanese view on the monster and their government reaction and their problem solving which to me is is a lot more humane and a lot less gi joe than what you get when you give it to an american director mm. and we do kind of get that american hand clap thing where we think godzilla is dead but then he can pop up alive at the end and we have to give him that clap you know like, oh like look the nerd took off her glasses she's a person yay right a round of applause that normally happens well we got a lot of that in like the 80s and 90s films you know when you know the high the high school nerd basically um gets his gets you know basically you know gets to win the baseball game and everyone claps him because all of a sudden everyone loves the nerd for once so we kind of do get that godzilla moment <laughs> so we're like why is everyone like i'm really you know it's like you know, is Godzilla really impressed that the human race is clapping for him? You know, and he'll come back one day when, you know, when, you know, man screws up and Godzilla will come in and clean up after man's mess. It's kind of the message that we get in this one sort of thing, which is kind of like, why does Godzilla need to clean up the mess that man's making considering that man treats him so shitty? Right. And he, he so. almost kind of gives you that nod toward the end of the film before he walks back into the ocean. He kind of gets that look over his shoulder like, you little ants, I'm so sick of you. And then yeah. he walks off into the ocean. I'll be back because you guys are going to fuck up over <laughs> right. and over again. So. Yeah, basically. I, I just then, want an ordered Shin Godzilla. So I'm like, okay, you keep talking it up. I'm I know. Sure. That's what I was sitting here looking for it because he's driving me nuts with it. I can't. Yes. I'm gonna, and I'm and do not, do not bother with, uh, if, if you can, if you get a copy of it, try your best to find the subtitled version. Cause again, you're, you're going to run into the same thing that I've, I've ran into quite a bit here lately, where when you compare the the dubbed version to the subtitled version there's a lot of lines that that are lost in translation i just completely rewatched the entire first season and the film of demon slayer in the original japanese and it's totally different yeah totally agree subtitle always beats dub yeah this one is subtitled okay good excellent yes shin godzilla is amazing and they they use as in they use modern like modern technology with the traditional special effects. It's a guy in a suit again and it's miniatures, but it's very hard to tell well, for the most so part. That's what's so cool about it is the, you know, like destroy all monsters and all that stuff. Cause that, that used to be one of my favorites when I was little destroy all monsters, had them all, you know, but I mean, you, you knew it was, you knew they were matchbox cars or whatever. And it was all, but it was so much fun to watch. You know? Right. Right. I mean, and, that's why I think that's why I love this one. I, I actually I knew nothing about this film until about a year ago. A uh, friend of mine from Portland, Oregon. Uh, oh, I think she'll probably actually be listening to this. Thank you, Katie. Uh, she turned me on to Shin Godzilla, and uh, it's it's so 
so worth it. It's another one of those where you don't get a lot of screen time with Godzilla, but when you do, it's it's really neat because once again, it's traditional special effects, just like it was back in 1954, just the 20... I'll say 2016, 2017. 2016. It's got yeah. almost five stars. It's it's wonderful. And just you, you get you get a, a great like feel of how modern Japanese government works. It's uh it's almost like a lesson. Well, thanks for the recommendation. I'll be checking it out in a few days. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I got it on my watch list. And what's your thoughts, uh 2014's Godzilla, Joe? Uh well. <laughs> it's funny because uh, uh, the, the, the mention of Brian Cranston, which was kind of what got my roommate and I in the theater, because this is, you know, his big period, you know, where, where everyone's looking at Cranston like he's the, he's probably the best actor in the world in, in, in 2014. And we're going in there thinking, OK, it's going to be this tour de force Brian Cranston performance. 20 minutes. He's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> fuck um you had to go uh, back to do drinking bad he's still doing that at the time wasn't he right <laughs> he was it's probably he didn't have a lot of time to film between seasons of breaking bad um mm. overall i liked it a lot more a, a lot more than chad did i remember leaving uh leaving thinking this was i, I thinking it's a solid movie but when you're comparing it to, <laughs> you know, when you're comparing it to some of the sequels into into 1998 it's 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 hard to to look bad in comparison, um, but it is. I, I thought it was a fun little movie. The biggest criticism, and I totally get it, and I totally agree. Uh, there's not a lot of screen time for Godzilla, and the monster scenes are the you know the, the actual fighting scenes when you get to them are shot so darkly yeah. that at times you you have a hard time telling what's going on. I've heard the 4K Blu-ray of that actually corrects that problem but um i i haven't seen the 4k blu-ray so i don't know um i hear it looks great but yeah those are the the, the two biggest criticisms i have are not enough brian cranston um i also agree that you know the the um his family his son and everything are not as interesting as his character would have been because you spend the first like half hour building up the backstory of you know his wife getting uh right. his wife getting killed and all and all this stuff. And then like, just, he's just gone. And that's, and that's the end of it. And I kind of felt disappointed in that overall though. I love the movie. Um, um, I I thought it was, uh, I I thought it was a solid, uh, solid little movie. Like I said, I totally get the criticisms. Um, I didn't like the second one in the series, the Godzilla uh, King of the monsters that I thought was just kind of dull. I liked uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, I, I thought I that was a pretty, Godzilla versus Kong. I thought that was a pretty solid, uh, solid little scene. I thought it was really solid when he crawls up on that aircraft carrier and gets right? they start punching each other out. It was like that was just epic. I, I was, totally loved it. That was the money shot. That's what that movie that was. That was the was money the shot. Absolutely. Um, I think the script probably was written around that one scene. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> It was the idea that we're just going to have... Well, you remember the old versions of Godzilla where he takes the tree, King Kong does, and he's shoving it down his throat and, (laughs) you know, just all that cool shit. You knew there were dudes in suits, but it was fun, so... I mean, it's... I I don't think people... I I, I think a lot of times, like like Keith just said, I think it's just they they think of this idea and then it's, well, now we have to build the human stuff around it. 
Um, and I think that's that's the big issue that I think these versions of it have versus the the original 1954 one, where it seems like Godzilla was a vehicle to get the political point across. Right. Um, I, I feel like these movies, yeah, they're a little they're a little soulless in a way. But it is. Yeah, I mean, it, Godzilla 2014 is a film in three acts. Definitely three acts. Basically, oh, you definitely. have the Brian Cranston story, right. then you have the Moko story. And then you yeah. have the sun story. And basically it's like, you know, basically you could, have, you could have an intermission in between these things and come back. I mean, the reason well, they do I tie in eventually, they, well, they do tie in, but they, it is a film with definite three acts. It's almost like, okay, we got these actors for this amount of time. So we're going to film this story. We got these actors for this amount of time. So we're going to film this story. Now we got these actors. And, it's fine and, and you know, none of these actors, I mean, basically none of these actors really pass. I mean, the sun has, you know, one day of shooting with Brian Cranston and that's it sort of thing, you know? And yeah, I think one he, day of shooting with Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, one day of shooting with Elizabeth right. Olsen. Well, she didn't Spine have a really big part. She was just like the nurse, wasn't she? She she doesn't need a big part. All she needs is that scowl on her face. That, that is scowl. all <laughs> she needs. You know, whether she's being overtaken by a cult, you know, or whether she's a superhero, she scowls and everything she does. That's, That's all she thing. needs to do. But I mean, you would scowl too <laughs> if your sisters were the Olsen twins. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I sit there and say that I did when I watched it this time around, I enjoyed it. It was fine. But I'd say the first time I saw it, I was more excited about it when I saw the IMAX. Because it was a, it was an IMAX. Well, IMAX TV, makes everything thing. bigger and better, doesn't it? Well, it was fun, but it's one of the. I think it's one of those films that basically is like it is a theat- theatrical movie, kind of needed in a theatric. But so when you do, when I do have this on Blu-ray, so I did watch it on Blu-ray, and you kind of, you know, you kind of need that. It's a, it's an event movie, but unfortunately, with event movies, they do, they, they, they do come at a prize. It's very rare that you get an event movie that kind of ticks all the boxes. You kind of enjoy the spectacle. But it's very rare that you get like a really good story script follow through with a spectacle movie. And this, unfortunately, you can tell that this is for the summer blockbuster spectacle movie. You know, that's going to take that box sort of thing. And that's I have to say, though, I am impressed with the acting that they did get in for this film sort of thing. I mean, Julia Binoche, I mean, what a fantastic actress. I mean, I know she's only for about five minutes before she, you know, basically, you know, like a really good, you know, two minutes in the beginning and then the rest of it is her running down a corridor before steam's gonna steam her into god knows what and then you get her saying i love you and yeah. falling down the um, portal that sucked but, i think you know, get away I was like, just two more minutes to open oh, that I door but well, I had to sit there and say, though, I mean, I'm quite impressed that basically they got her for that small amount of time. I don't know what they paid her, but they probably paid her a pretty penny because, I mean, she's a she's an international French award winning actress here who basically is like, you know, she doesn't take things easily. I mean, you're not you're not going to catch her doing, you know, a Marvel film anytime soon. I mean, you know, she takes things and Brian Cranston's another one that's very picky about what he does most of the time. And this is where this is where his picky phrase is. I mean, I think he's probably going to start passing. We're going to start seeing popping up in a lot more questionable films now that he seems to be having trouble finding his footing in another TV series because I don't think you're honored it very well or sort of thing. But um, but yeah, I think the I mean, I think the actors that they got to be in it are quite amazing. I mean, they all did a very good job of what they did. But you know, comparing it to the Godzilla 1954 you don't really have a lot of human interest you don't really care about the human it's not in a human interest story much except maybe for the mother 
you know? The, Why? the frowning, scowling, <laughs> beautiful mother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, unfortunately, it does have the American child with the bowl cut in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why do we have to have a child with a bowl cut? <laughs> Who's always running off at the God knows when? Oh, God. It's like, here we go. But, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, was there a lot of emotional resonance in this film? I would say Probably not. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't really care who lived or died. I was, you know, when Godzilla, when the devastation's happening and everyone's running around and everything like that, I love those sequences. As far as the human interest story goes, you know, whether that soldier saved that little Japanese kid with his, um, that action figure that he gave him, no, no, you know, sort of thing, and whether they were going to survive, I wasn't, if the kid got fed to the monster, I probably wouldn't care. I wouldn't have cried or been felt or anything. So I, I might have bought two tickets if they would have fed that little kid to the monster. <laughs> I would have definitely bought extra tickets for that. They just don't kill enough children in movies. They don't. <laughs> I was thinking, of like, where, what kind of parents are those parents that let their kids just jump on the um, L or whatever it's called? Just right. you, know, you know, and the kid. The thing is, the kid wasn't on the L for. He didn't jump on as the door of the closing. He was on the L for a long time before the parents even showed up. It's like, and then the door closed, and there the parents going. Ah. Yeah, there's there's not enough dead children in horror. I hate to beat a dead horse, but but where are the children walkers in in The Walking Dead? Other than Sophia, other than the very first one you ever see, and Sophia, where are the children walkers? We we did. They had actually had dead children in it. We were talking about movie where we. I think Joe, you were on that podcast. The children, probably not a little. Was it the children? Oh, the children. Yes. Oh, the the both versions of the children, the trauma one and the ghost house one. Yeah, I had to sit there and say that even even Pet Cemetery with the horrible children, that horrible children in the reboot of that, and then they brought them back. And they go, Jesus Christ, you had to bring these ones back. You had to bring uh, the horrible teenage girl back. <laughs> really? Ah, the, just, oh, anyway. <laughs> well, Ro- Romero in the uh, in the Night of the Living Dead movies had no issue with it because both Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead had zombie children. Yeah. There should be more. I think you should make somebody should make a zombie movie with nothing but zombie kids. Well, The Walking Dead did kind of go there for a bit. You know, they have they had a few zombie kids. Like remember, well, remember when Rick has to kill a little girl? Here, a little girl. Remember the little blonde girl turned around? Yeah, but they do it off screen. You want to see it on screen? Yeah. My, okay. There we go. My my next film. My next when when I when I get this whole filmmaking career going, my my second film will be. A, a traditional Godzilla film with a man in a suit where he steps on a daycare. I think that's that's how I'm going to start the film. That'll get that'll get a whole bunch of love right there. I could just see them lining up for the love. Listen, the controversy <laughs> itself will earn you millions. <laughs> Hey, it's it's the same reason why doctors in America try to try to talk people out of getting their tubes tied, man. We got to have more babies. You got to keep yeah. the economy going. So what's it going to hurt to step on a daycare or two? We have lots of daycares <laughs> in Dallas. You can you can you can have you can have you know Godzilla terrorize Dallas. He could come in from Galveston. We can do it anyway, you know. Hey, he follows the Trinity River up, but he yeah, dies yeah. halfway he from pollution the through the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> he come. He comes up all covered in oh, oil, and yet. someone just drops a match on him. Movie I got a better over. yet. Let him fuck up Houston. <laughs> there we go. There you go. There's daycares <laughs> in Houston. Kill two birds with one stone. 
Or better yet, you can make it political and have Godzilla coming through Mexico and stepping on the ch- on the cages of children as he's going through Mexico. <laughs> oh, oh. oh. Keith, okay, Keith Damn. wins. Keith wins. Just got real. <laughs> <laughs> Keith Shago, your trophy is in the mail, man. Uh, you won. So, 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 much, you know, so many controversy lines cross there. You know, you're, you're sure to offend everyone, though. <laughs> Just see the shit he says when we're not recording. I'm the only one that hears most of it. No one would believe but I mean, me. Everybody loves him. They don't get it. But I, but I do think that um, you know, I mean, for an Americanized version of a subliminal fantastic, you know, creature as Godzilla is, I would sit there and say the 2014 film does an okay job. I, I, I just like the CG. I like who doesn't want to see the CGI and you're beefed up monster from your childhood that's why i like well see i like watching it through my grandson's eyes too he loves i mean we watched king kong versus godzilla the new one like a million times and he sees the old stuff it's like yeah not so much see i love the old stuff because i i grew up on it but well, these see, kids I'm, that's all they know is CGI. i'm fine i'm fine with the monsters and i'm fine with the monsters fighting each other but did they really have to just make two films the sequels revolve around the kid who was definitely interesting in stranger things not so much in the last two godzilla movies right. i just i could have done without those storylines altogether yeah i could have done movie. without that uh what's her name is it millie bobby brown oh, okay. or something yeah, like that yeah. Millie. i think no. that's your name yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to hate win Wolfgard. He's bothering me now. Oh yeah. Well, we've we've got to make it through Ghostbusters, man. We've got to make it through this new Ghostbusters in November. What we'll new see. Ghostbusters? There's I haven't heard about. There's this. a new Ghostbusters coming out in November that was is directed by Ivan Reitman's son, and uh, it it's a direct sequel to Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two, where uh, I guess what's like, his name Wolf Wolf whatever the hell Wolf. Yeah. Stranger Things, Wolf Fuck, Wolf Fuck, and some other kids find find Egon's. They find Egon's stash, and they they revitalize Ghostbusters. Well, he's the only one. For some reasons, in a barn in the Midwest. Go figure. I don't know where Bill Murray and his characters want decide. Let's get rid of the ambulance and put it into a barn in the Midwest somewhere. But that's where they find it. So I keep telling people to temper their expectations because, like, the trailer looks good, but. The trailer's know, always look good because they're taking the most exciting, memorable parts of the movie and stuffing them into a minute and a half. You know, but but just no. We'll, we'll 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 see how we'll see how much soul the actual movie has in a couple of months. That was just like I knew when they were going to make the sorry feminist where they made the Ghostbusters movie with the women thing. I knew it was going to suck. I just I just well the thing is is like you know the thing is I'm all for. I love women. all the women in it. I'm, I'm, I'm all for women films. I just don't understand that if you're going to do women films, why don't you do original films? Why do you have an original? Why reboot? Right, right then and there, you basically, if you're going to remake anything and let's sit there and say, let's, let's take, let's make a feminist movie out of, let's say, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Why don't you just do a feminist horror film that's based on its own merit? 
Well, the funny thing is, Nightmare on Elm Street is kind of a feminist movie in, on its own, if you think about well, it. Well, it depends it, on it, what it feminist a... you're speaking to. Some people think it's because the women's always the victim, the other part is not. But most horror films are feminist movies. Let's face it. How many men actually live to the end of a horror film? It's very yeah, rare. it's usually the yeah the, the, the final girl is the is the theme. As, well, really, is, the know, only final, the final guy top. I can remember is is in uh what is it? Uh, Freddy Krueger. Gay one, Nightmare on Elm Street two. Huh. The gay one, yeah. and I, You know what? I didn't even know it was gay <laughs> until I watched it with older eyes. Okay. So basically, when he's going to the S and M club and he goes to goes take a shower with his gym teacher, he didn't take that as gay. <laughs> <laughs> Not when I was a young kid. No, I didn't take it as gay. But uh-huh. you know. Because I wasn't you, looking for you shit like that. You take the girl like out of northern New York, but you can't take the northern New York out of the girl. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you seen the documentary on it? Yeah. I watched this. I watched a documentary with the the what's his name? The actor was in it. Well, oh, I think it was, a, it was a, yeah. He was talking about he was going to a comic con, and how people still you know are backing him up, saying, "Boy, what a difference you've made in our lives for coming out in this movie." Yada yada. You know, but to be honest, have you ever seen Mark Patton in any other movies? Mm, no. I can't every remember. every movie that Mark Patton's done, he's always played a gay person. Um, but yeah, was, was come back movies. to the five and dime Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean. He right. plays the gay character who becomes a transsexual and becomes Karen Black. Um, he really? played a gay character in a TV movie who had AIDS. He played another gay character. Every movie he's played gay. So when he, the problem I have with document, I enjoyed that documentary. The problem I have with it is go, oh, this is stereotyping. It's like no, every movie you had before that was stereotyping you. So don't blame this <laughs> for ruining your life. So that they get, if anything. You know, you know, it's a bit like when we interviewed Dinah Manoff. Dinah Manoff, Dinah Manoff won a Tony. She, you know, she won a award. A lot of people don't know it either. And, and, but, but the thing is, what she says, she goes, she goes, and she goes, you know, the funny thing is, I'm always going to be remembered as Chucky's first victim. And she goes, I'm yeah. okay with that. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, just be okay with it. Don't sit there and try to turn this. Was it Chucky pushed her out the window, right? She was the babysitter. Yeah. No, the aunt that he pushed out the window. Yeah, she, yeah. She's, she's the she's the first victim. She goes, and that's what I'll be remembered for. Because I won't be remembered for my Tony Award. I won't be remembered for everything else I've done. Remember? She goes, I'm not happy. And she said, I'm happy with this. Yeah. And, you know. So I, but I did enjoy the documentary with Mark Patton. But I did think it was like, oh, I am a victim. I am a victim. All in victim. That kind of. Yeah, that's that was the theme. I think. It was like, I... You know, like if it wasn't for this film, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. You wouldn't even be making this documentary. And you wouldn't be signing. You know, spending twenty pounds having people. You know give you 20 pounds for your autograph for every convention. you go So to. it all wasn't a total loss because people love him at the conventions. I know that. You know, and the <laughs> thing is, oh, I didn't know it was a gay horror film. It's like, come on, you read the script. You saw a scene where you're in an S&M gay bar and then you had to take a shower with your gym junior and that didn't give you a sign that what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I was like, you know, you know. It's a bit like, you know, that woman in um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is like, I am a bright, intelligent woman. And that now her husband's basically being, you know, stole all that money from all the burn victims and stuff. And now she's like, I didn't know. It's like, so now you're dumb. <laughs> but before I'm an intelligent, bright woman, I know everything. So that's like, like it's like that. Harrison Ford complaining about, you know, people associating him with Han Solo for the rest of his career. Shut up. Or Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Just shut up, Harrison. There's You're a making a new Indiana Jones. Yes. yes. And to so, be honest, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for Han Solo, I mean, he wouldn't have done Witness. He wouldn't have done Frantic. He wouldn't have done all the other stuff he'd done, you know, or Indiana Jones. Let's face it, if he didn't do Han Solo, he wouldn't have done Indiana Jones. Would have he right. wouldn't have gotten it because they, they realized Indiana Jones was right in front of them when they started looking for the Han Solo. Yeah, it would have been Tom Selleck. 
Yeah, yeah I, I've read that somewhere actually. Yeah. I mean, and before that, I mean, I mean, what did Harrison Ford do before? I mean, basically, had a bit part in American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Right. Yeah, he, he was did a carpenter. A cowboy movie once. It was like something I can't remember what it was. He did. And uh, um, I think he had a bit part in the conversation also. Yeah. But did I mean, he? You know, I mean, but the thing until. is, like, you know, I mean, you're always going to have one role that you're going to be associated with, no matter who you are. You know, if you're you lucky. Can, if you're if, lucky, yeah. yeah. And the good thing about the thing about horror is that most of those horror, I mean, look at E.G. Daly. She says she's always going to be considered dotty in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. She's so that. You know, she's done tons of stuff that we know, you know, Rugrats, Power, Power right. Girl, music career, you know, yeah. Rob right. Zombie so on and yeah. so forth. And she was in she was in the Devil's Rejects too, wasn't she? With right. uh, Rob yeah. Zombie. Uh, yeah, she's she was, always going to uh, be known as Dotty from Pee-wee's from Big yeah Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that people you do know, get pigeonholed, that... but you know, it, it's a good thing sometimes. I wouldn't say being Indiana Jones or Han Solo was a good thing. Life, yeah. Would you rather just not work anymore? Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, some, not once. It, sometimes, it, sometimes it can beat against you. Like, I mean, let's say that Dustin Hoffman is, for instance, um, you know, the graduate, fantastic, you know, his career. And then he did Rain Man, and after Rain Man, everything looked like he was doing Rain Man over and over and over again. <laughs> so like, oh. it, it did. It was kind of hard to get that out of your head. Yeah. Well, yeah. not Robert once Niro, will I. I will never Robert associate Raymond Burr. Robert De Niro's the Robert De Niro character, sure, Robert De Niro now. So you're kind of going. So sometimes it gets hard to remember what they were. So sometimes right. that happens. Yes, we, we will it's never associate Raymond Burr with Robert Godzilla. Robert De Niro out of the Godfather kind of thing, too. I mean, you see him doing, you know, like the, the Meet the Fuckers and all that stuff, which I think is hysterical. I love those movies. But I just, you know, it just he just is still, you know. Well, the I, well it was, I was watching um, the, the Phil Spector movie uh, with, with Al Pacino as Phil Spector, and I was like, I'm not seeing Phil Spector. I'm seeing Al Pacino as Phil Spector. Yeah. Like, sometimes you get to that point where you just get so big that it's, it's like I can't see you as anything. You just can't. Yeah, I but, mean, um, how, many, how many times do you think about Jim Morrison? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Val seeing Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah. In that case, I mean, they, there was an uncanny resemblance, though. There was. They did look a lot alike. There is a documentary on Amazon about Val Kilmer. That I haven't seen it yet. Have you watched it yet? They just they just played it um, at the uh, the Texas theater around the corner from me a couple of weeks ago, and I missed good. it. It's supposed to be very very good, but I can say one thing about Val Kilmer that's quite telling about him is that no actor will ever work, no director ever works with him more than once. <laughs> so it tells you what kind of person he needs to work with, sort of thing. So there's always problems in everything he's done. That's uh, yeah, that's that's something that I'd, uh, I I had heard about him and read about him. Yeah, yeah, was he difficult uh, or was he just wild yeah. or oh watch that documentary he about was, uh, he, i'm sorry go ahead keith he made daniel day lewis's method acting look like a daytime player and he's very very method so basically it's like you know he was trying um, to do daniel day lewis's method no acting? he was worse than daniel day lewis i mean like if he was in the crucible he would be making the 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 nails for the house that he was building. Sort of thing. Oh no. <laughs> um, okay. He'd be out killing the cows for the leather for the boots for gangs in New York if he did on gangs in New York. <laughs> well, I mean he was he was the first one to ever don the bat nipples though. So yeah. <laughs> what? the the bat nipples. Uh he he was Batman and Joel Schumacher's first go around with Batman Forever. Yeah. 
And it, and you notice he's the only Batman that never ever came back for a sequel. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Oh my God, you're right. The documentary <laughs> about uh, about Richard Stanley's version of um, of uh, the Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh, yeah. They go into detail about apparently, uh, like from all accounts on that, from everybody they interviewed, Val Kilmer was a fucking dick on that set. Mm-hmm. From and all he was really? working with Marlon Brando and sneaking out Dick Marlon Brando, you know there's a problem. They were talking. Somebody on that somebody on that documentary was talking about how there was a there was a point where like both of them did not want to be the first one on the set. They both were hanging out in their trailer because they both refused to to be there before the other because they both yeah. felt like they were the one who should who should be the last one to walk on set. So it, it was just this pissing match between the two of them. <laughs> But yeah, even, I, I um, forget what the documentary is called. It's on. It's I think it's on Prime. It, it might be yeah, free on Prime on right Prime. now. But there's also, um, I mean, if you look at Val Kilmer's first film, which was Top Secret, which is the bit when he played the first one, which is done by the Abram Brothers. Yeah. Even they refused to work with him after that. And that was his first movie, so it's amazing that he people kept hiring. I mean, I, I, you know, it's apparently his stage work was fantastic. But I mean, you see, you know, I guess he is a very good actor. Unfortunately, you have to put up with a lot of bullshit. To decent actor, him. very good looking. That's why he kept getting work until eventually it was just like, no, I'm not dealing with it anymore. And, I and loved so, him in. Uh, he ran through every single director, and then he kind of ran out of work. Probably. I loved him in his portrayal yeah. of. Uh, didn't he play John Holmes in a? What was that movie? Yeah, he was good in that, the John Holmes film, where um, the um, where, mur- where all those murders took place. Oh, God. Wonderland. 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 He was good in that. that. He, was, he was really exceptional in that. Don Schiller was, loved working with him, he, too, because that was, that was her, uh, was really basically about Don's life. And he was brilliant in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as well. I mean, he's always brilliant in what he does, but. Yeah. He's good at but, what he does, but. God, but you know, you can't, you can't talk anymore. Yeah, no, a tumor no. in his voice. So you don't, you really? Is that so. what's going on? That's why you don't see him anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's like throat cancer or something. Was that what it was? Yeah, but, I his, think son, I... but his son does the, the, his son does the speaking for him, and his son sounds just like him, which is kind of bizarre. So. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to the documentary. I was hoping I could have caught it uh, on screen. Uh, I, I'm really lucky where where I live. I live just a couple of blocks away from the well, I guess what is now the historic. Texas theater where Lee Harvey Oswald was arrested after uh, supposedly uh, putting a bullet in president Kennedy's head. Uh, I live right around the corner from it and they, they play a lot of like indie documentaries and a lot of older films. I actually have tickets Sunday night to watch the 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 Texas theater on Jefferson in in North Oak cliff. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I have tickets Sunday night, this upcoming Sunday night to see the never ending story with the actor who played Atreyu. you. So uh, very cool. Okay. I will never get over watching that horse drown. That was one of the most traumatic <laughs> experiences of my young life. Yeah, I I was I was actually uh I, I stumbled in the other night to watch Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, and the uh, the actress who played the main character Tina was actually sitting two rows in front of me. So where it's very. You, where are you getting their schedule? This looks like something I need to do. Uh, uh, just just Google search them. Just to Google yeah, search the probably, tech. They probably, probably got a newsletter or an email. Yeah, I get I get a I get an email from them every month Texas with their theater? upcoming. Yeah, their upcoming. Oh, schedule. well, I miss it out on some neat shit. Yeah, total totally worth it. And you know, for our listeners, I would suggest that if you do have an art cinema in your area, that you do sign up for. Got the Angelica too. Yes, very very much. So. I'm going to go I mean, see. 
Next month, I'm seeing Thundercrack at the cinema. At the cinema. Oh so. my god, I could never get over you suggesting that movie. I, I'll never forget. I actually bought that movie. Yes, it's rated R. X. It's rated X. But you know, Alexa announced to my entire family that Thundercrack had arrived when it got here. (laughs) You know, and I was just like, I was like ready to crawl under the dinner table, literally, just like, what the hell is Thundercrack? I go, I don't know. Keith wants to wants to examine the movie. (laughs) Tell everybody, blame it on you. I've got X rated movies coming in my house. So it was funny. And I mean, if we do that one, we have to do Caligula. I'm just saying we might as well just go downhill for two hours completely. (laughs) Yeah. If there's any, anything worth doing, it's worth doing right. That's right. Go big or go home. That's why I look at it. (laughs) You're going to enter Dante's circles of hell. You might as well go right to the middle. Well, what, I think what we should do now is let's discuss um, the difference, um, what we prefer between Godzilla 2014 and Godzilla 1954. Starting with you, Vicky, which do you prefer, Godzilla 1954 or 2014 and why? Why? You know, I got to say, I'm going to go with the old version because I just loved it so much. And I mean, no matter, even if, even if I'm, you know, like, I'll, I'll turn it on. If I know it's on, it'll stay on. You know, just the older one. Now, the other one, the 2014 version, I really enjoyed the CGI and I just enjoy watching my grandson watch it because it's all about monsters and stuff. I don't think that the youngins have, you know, the patience to understand the developing story in an older black and white, let's face it, guy in a zoot suit Godzilla kind of thing going on. And the kids, oh, look at his eyes. You know, those little googly eyes that you put on, you know, cards and stuff. He's got googly eyes, you know. I love that. It was so I, I love it, too. <laughs> just like, you know, Godzilla's got the googly eyes. And it, it's just effing cool. It is. But um, I love the old version. And like I said, this was an eye opening kind of movie for me because I had no idea of 1954 because I was looking for the 1956 version with Raymond Burr. I accidentally came across this one on HBO Max and I started watching it. And then I noticed there was a difference going on and I was like, there's something different. What is going on? Where's Raymond Burr? That's like I said, again, I texted Keith who didn't say anything back to me. So fuck you. In retrospect. <laughs> but um, I did figure it out on my little own self. And uh, I, I just enjoyed it. And then I read, I watched the Raymond Burr one and I realized there's no story that the story's been preempted by American. I hate to say it. I think they just wanted to gloss over what we did with mm-hmm. the arm. This, what the, you know, they dropped <laughs> a freaking hydrogen bomb on them, you know? So I've in, and what I thought about that, especially watching the 54 one, how they did not say anything sideways about the United States military for doing that particular thing to them, which was, I can't imagine. I just can't. And uh, the, the 2014 film I love as well. It's just because Godzilla is cool. And then when you get into the newer versions of, you know, I love King Kong versus Godzilla. So piss off, Chad. I loved it. <laughs> it was okay. It was fun. I do like the old one too. But let's face it, the CGI just rocks in the, the latest edition. It just does. And, you know, Godzilla is just a badass. And he, like, shoots, you know, I don't even know if that's flames. It's not flames anymore. Was that a nuclear radar device coming out of his mouth? I mean, it's not even flames. 
It's something else. It's radiation, right? Or what is it? Something. It's got to be a toxic substance of some it's, reason. It's why Pez. people aren't dropping dead. You know, it's blueberry Pez. He's, the, he's a giant the, Pez dispenser. Well, I mean, it's, there's got to be fallout. Okay, there has to be <laughs> because it's a nuclear mutant, and then we find out that they're titans and that we need them to save the planet. I'm all over that. But I'm sure. Like you know, your thoughts? Different, whatever. Uh, similar to Vicky, I prefer the 1954 one. Um, I still like the 2014 one too. Um, if I had to, if I had to choose gun to my head, I, there's so much more humanity in the 1954 version. Exactly. And like I said, it feels, it feels more, um, it feels more natural in the 1954 version. And there's also this kind of ominous, um, this ominous cautionary tale cautionary tale it is a cautionary tale yeah um you kind of have this 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 kind of feeling of dread throughout it which i you know it's sad it's kind of sad and and you don't want to see godzilla die you know even though he's the nuclear whatever after yeah exactly he's not he's not really the villain he's just kind of like 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 he wakes up and he's going what the fuck Basically, yeah. what is going on? He comes down? out of the water and they start shooting at him, and it's like, yeah, going to piss him off. Don't like, shoot he, at the nuclear like, monster. Like, he was like, yo, look, I was going to mind my own business, and but now he decided to fuck with me. <laughs> well, don't forget, he was eating all the fish. He was eating all the fish. Yeah. The, the Japanese were running out of fish. Well, yeah, they, they mentioned, oh, yeah, that was the other thing in the, in the, in the beginning. It's a lot darker. Uh, in the beginning, very much darker. Um, they mentioned that uh, when they when the fish would stop coming in, they would sacrifice a little girl. Oh, they, that's right. I've never seen that, that the before. Beginning. They would sacrifice a young girl to Godzilla so he would leave them alone. Yeah. yeah. Wicked. And they that? would just kind of send her off on a raft. It's sort of like dropping a maiden off at a volcano, you know? Everybody needs yeah, a virgin. You get anymore. I'd pay tickets to see that. I'd pay tickets to drop <laughs> somebody in a volcano. The good, old, the good old days. I mean, they're so gone. There's go no, no human sacrifice anymore. No kids getting killed in movies. What the hell, man? We need human sac- child sacrifice. So between the two of them, yeah, I like 54 better. I still like 2014. Um, it like like uh like chad mentioned earlier could have used more brian cranston i would have probably yeah. liked it a lot more yeah he did kind of die too soon yeah i uh and i i like like you said i think it was the most interesting character in the movie and what about yourself chad your thoughts well i'm a, I'm a big fan of of like what we're talking about here where uh you know, sometimes sometimes the the main thread of the film takes a backseat to you know the human condition and uh that original godzilla film very the human condition yes very very much so and uh i think the only godzilla remake since that original that to me has been able to like i guess match that level of emotion would be a uh, cloverfield I, well, think- I know i totally agree <laughs> why didn't that even come to my mind because that- cloverfield was it was i love the first cloverfield yes love it just yes. totally love it. That monster is badass, and how they filmed it, and how you see that, and they got parasites. That and is I, just. I think. Sick. I think Ooh. that's that's what that's what I was hoping is that, that feeling that I got from seeing Cloverfield for the very first time. Yeah, oh was probably God, the same thing I felt as a child watching the original Godzilla. I think I'm gonna let Ashley and watch Cloverfield. Yes, yeah. Let let that kid watch Cloverfield. <laughs> yes, it's so good. 
but I, I think I I might have been expecting to revisit that feeling with with the yeah. three Godzilla movies that have came out in the last decade. Exactly, and I mean they are good films in their in their own right. I'm I think I'm I'm just looking for a little bit more, maybe a little less star power, maybe a little more story. There was a lot of star power. You got to admit with the 2014 one. Yeah, maybe that's why they they when they decided to introduce Godzilla to. America or the United States or Western Civ, whichever you want. They but had to Shin, put right. Shin put, Godzilla. Yeah, I'm going to watch that too. But I'm, I don't. And think the Shin actually, Godzilla has not paid me to speak about Shin oh, Godzilla bullshit. throughout this entire podcast. Sit on a well, throne should, of lies. He should give you royalties because I, I bought a copy because. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch it too because I haven't seen it, and I, you guys keep talking about it, so now I got to watch it. Well, on the well, day where you guys. Check. On the day where you guys decide to do a Shin Godzilla episode, I will be more than happy to come back and discuss all, you this know film. What, if you've noticed, we incorporate every horror villain or serial killer or whatever. Somebody always gets segued into this podcast one way or another. So, Yes, Negan versus Shin Godzilla. That'll yeah, be my third go. film. <laughs> which is the, the 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 beginning of the end is starting sunday and i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it because i've been doing it since 2010 and i'm gonna finish it no matter how but the writers have disappointed me very excited me too well my thoughts about godzilla 1954 i think it's a fantastic film i, I Scott, it's always quite good to see an origin movie anyway where you kind yeah. of the field i have to say that 1954 has a lot more emotion a lot more human depth to it and there's a lot of um you kind of finish the film and you kind of watch it and, but it kind of stays with you and kind of haunts it you. Does it does stay with you. It does. And I have to you know, give it kudos for that. And so I would sit there and say that if I was going to introduce this, I would introduce this to some real cinephiles and stuff like this. And I think right. it's a I can understand why the original version, you know, after all this time is now people are starting to discover it and stuff like this. And I think that, it is a cautionary tale as was stolen and does give you real life human stories that were incorporated into the script about what the people were going through at this time. And I think it's a, you know, a, a good way to reflect and look at the situation. Because Think about, think about everybody that acted in that 1954. They remember that bomb being dropped. And they probably know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. Who died. Sort of yeah, or something. Yeah. And I had something to say that it's a very gutsy film for a country to come out with so close to after a catastrophe like that. Happened. Right. Very um, gutsy. I didn't know, know if we about look at, You know, if we look at um, um, Chernobyl at the moment, I mean, we're now just getting in from movies and TV shows are just coming out about that finally. And how right. long was that? So, Chernobyl yeah. Diaries. <laughs> Does that go? That's not going one end of the spectrum. (laughs) um, And as far as Godzilla 2014, this to me is just a pop movie. It's something that you put on. You kind of don't, and you don't, your mind, Godzilla 1954, your mind has to be alert and you have to be. Well, you have to read the subtitles. get every little nuance and story out of it. The 2014's pop, you know, pop popcorn flounder sort of thing. You, put it on, you wash it out and you watch the spectacle and you you know you go you, and you just go from one ex- action piece to the other and then hope that the the pieces in between the action pieces don't go on too long because you'll fall asleep and but saying that i do think that i do like i do think that the director and the writers of this did have a lot of love for the source material so i'm going to take my hats off to that because right. they did love the source material and they do pay homage to it they do. And I will, you know, and I will give them that because, 
you know, we don't get a 1998 version of Godzilla or a Planet of the Apes Tim Burton version or anything else. These people have messed up through the ages. So I like that they did they did have respect for the source material. And I think Gareth Edwards does do that with his movies. He does have seems to have because he also did Monsters, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah. so he does have a you know he does you know takes his hat off to the source material and pays homage to it. And I think this is way of paying homage, and uh, you know, so I'll give him respect for that. Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Before we go, um, do you want to remind us of where we can find you, Chad, on social media or your website? Yeah, you can check me out at cderekmiller.com or at howlgrowlsnarl on pretty much all the social media platforms, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. He's I, always uh, on Instagram. I'm, I, <laughs> hey, man, I like taking pictures. What can I say? Uh, yeah, and uh, just follow me there. I'm always doing something wacky. Uh, KillerCon Austin is going on this weekend, so uh, going to get involved in a little bit of that. That does sound interesting. Get uh, get some more uh, works in progress finished. Get some more books out there for everyone. And, of course, this is the end of our Nature versus uh, Man of Season 4 of the Literary License Podcast. Next month, we do our two-for-one, which will be the 80s, doing the 80s horror films. And we'll be starting off with a David Cronenberg Scanners and Videodrome. And of course, um, we finished our classic novels. Now we're doing Kings of Horror. And of course, there's no way we can do Kings of Horror without the Stephen King's Dead Zone. And Dead Zone, directed by David Cronenberg, starring Christopher Walken and Brooke Adams. And of course, we'll be continuing on with Bewitch. And next week, we'll be continuing on with Dark Shadows, which will be our last Dark Shadows, which we'll be doing 20 episodes because we'll be doubling that to make sure we get Dark Shadows out before the end of season five. I can hardly wait. Yeah, so go on and on. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Joe. Good night, everybody. Good night, Chad. Yeah, good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good night, everybody. Take care of each other. And we'll see you next week with Dark Shadows. Good night, everyone. You're a monster. I can swallow a bottle of alcohol in a feel like Godzilla. Better hit the deck like the cartilla. My whole squad's in here walking around the party A cross between a zombie, apocalypse, and bit Brain heaning, which is probably the same reason I wrestle with mania shades in this bitch I'm posse to Consider it to cost me a costly mistake if they sleep in on me The hoes better get insomnia ADHD, hydroxy, cut past the kibasi In AA with an AK, melee, finna set it Like a play date, better vacate, retreat like a vacay, mayday This beat is Craig Ray, Ray J, H, A, H, A, H, A Laughing all the way to the bank, I spray flames They cannot tame a play cake, the monster You get in my way, I'ma feed you to the monster I'm normal during the day, but at night turn to a monster When the moon shines like ice road truckers I look like a villain out of those blockbusters Just pull the pistol on the guy with a missile launcher I'm just a Loch Ness, a mythological Quick to tell a bitch
bitch you off like a fifth of vodka When you twist the top of the bottle, I'm a monster hey. You get in my way, I'ma feed you to the monster I'm normal during the day, but at night turn to a monster When the moon shines like ice world truckers I look like a villain out of those blockbusters Till the fire's been a monster With so much ease that they call me Diddy Cause I make bands and I call getting cheese a cakewalk yeah. Bitch I'm a player I'm too motherfuckers stingy for share Won't even lend you an ear Ain't even pretending to care But I tell a bitch I'm Mary of Shabaria Face of my genital area The original Richard Ramirez Christian Rivera Cause my lyrics never sit well So they wanna give me the chair Like a paraplegic and it's scary Call it Harry Carey Cause every time I'm digging Harry Carey I'm Mary a motherfucking dictionary on I'm swearing up and down They can spit this shit's hilarious It's time to put these bitches in the obituary column We wouldn't see eye to eye with a staring problem Get the shaft like a staring column Drink a happy pack Keep it as black ink, evil half of the bad meats Evil that means take a backseat, take it back to fat beats With a maxi single, look at my rap sheet What attracts these people is my gangster bitch Like a patchy, with a catchy jiggle I stack chips, you better got a half eat Cheeto uh, Oh, what the fuck? Mike? M, is that you? Oh, I mean, please man, I'm sorry Please forgive me, fuck Filling with the venom and eliminate him. Other words, I'm animating him. I don't wanna hurt him, but I did him in a fit of rage. I'm murdering again. Nobody will evade him. Fit of killing and dumping the fucking bodies in a league. Obliterating everything is generated. Renegade him. Hit him again. Anybody who wanted with the pen and frame. Don't nobody want it, but they're gonna get it anyway. Cause I'm beginning to feel like I'm mentally ill. I'm a killer. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Be the vanilla gorilla. You're bringing a killer within me. Out of me. You don't wanna be the enemy of the demon who in me. I'm being a receiving enemy. What stupidity it'd be. Every bit of me's the epitome of a spitter when I'm in the vicinity. Motherfucker, you better duck. You finna be dead the minute you're an enemy. 100% of you is a fifth of a percent of me. I'm about to fucking finish you, bitch. I'm available. You wanna battle? I'm available. I'm blowing up like an inflatable. I'm undebatable. I'm unavoidable. I'm unavoidable. I'm on the toilet bowl. I got a trailer full of money and I'm painful. I'm not afraid to pull them. Man, stop. Look what I'm planning. <laughs> I hope everybody having a good day. Um, hope everybody accomplished something significant. Even 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 if you didn't accomplish anything significant, don't be discouraged. Just aim to accomplish something significant tomorrow and the next day, and so on. Um, if anybody's going through anything. I, I hope and I pray that you get through it And just know that you do have the strength to get through Whatever the fuck you're going through No matter what it is